Here we go, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 is where we will have our minds, 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, likewise ye husbands, likewise ye husbands, live with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the woman as unto the weaker vessel that you may be heirs together of the grace of life, and that your prayers be not hindered. This is a painful verse for us guys. Painful. It pains me. I'm okay with 1 Timothy 6.17 where Paul says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. You know, like Paul, yeah, go after those rich people, but, you know... This is painful for us husbands. Husbands. This is not the only time God calls out to husbands. Colossians 3.19 You husbands love your wives and do not be bitter against them. Again, Ephesians 5.25 Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for it. But here we are in 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. And... Likewise, ye husbands, getting right into the marital relationship, but from the viewpoint of the husband. The husband. And of all things, God has to end this verse this way, that your prayers be not hindered. That makes it pretty important, don't you think? That if I'm not aware, and if I'm not applying the things in this verse, that I can be cut off from God. You know, Psalm 66, 18 says that if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear my prayers. It is possible possible to be cut off from God for Him to just refuse to hear our prayers. And so, iniquity then must involve, or could involve, a husband's treatment of his wife. We know this, that unless we are at one with each other, we cannot be at one with God. Because it does say that. That your prayers be not hindered. If I'm not properly conducting myself on earth, and if I'm not one with my wife, if I'm not one with my brothers and sisters, I cannot be one with God. What did John say in 1 John 4, 19-21? How is it that you say that you love God whom you have not seen, and yet you do not love man whom you have seen? John is saying that's an impossibility. You cannot love God whom you have not seen and yet not love man whom you have seen. So let's get into this relationship from the viewpoint of the husbands. What type of relationship is this? Well, first of all, it is... It's a mutual relationship. It's a mutual relationship. It's reciprocal. It's reciprocal. It's a mutual relationship. God's ideal is that husbands love their wives and wives also love their husbands. In fact, Titus chapter 2, 3 and 4 says wives ought to love their husbands and of course husbands ought to love their wives. It ought to be a mutual relationship. Peter has been talking about this. If you go back to 1 Peter 2, 18, he has some instructions for servants or slaves. Okay. Servants are to be Christian-like toward their masters. 
And then if you want to read Ephesians 6, 1 through 9, you've got more instructions there. Verse 9 says, Masters ought to be Christian-like unto their servants. But also there in Ephesians 6, 1 through 9, you've got parents and children. Children are to obey their parents in the Lord. They're to be Christian-like toward their parents. And parents are to bring their children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So parents are to be Christian-like to, to their children. It's mutual. It's mutual. Brothers and sisters in Christ are to be kindly affection one to another, Romans 12, 9 through 11 uh, says. Okay. Kindly affection one to another. And so all relationships in God are to be mutual, reciprocal. And here in 1 Peter 3, you notice verses 1 through 6, the emphasis is upon the wife. In fact, Peter kind of sums it up there in verse, verse 5 and 6. He says, the, the women of old, the holy women of old, they would adorn themselves modestly because they were in subjection to their husbands and because they hoped in God. So he has several instructions there for the wife. And then he says, likewise ye husbands. You see, in the marital relationship, all the obligations and responsibilities cannot be one-sided. And then all the privileges and blessings cannot be on the other side. Okay. It cannot be lopsided. They must be mutually affection one toward another. So it's a mutual relationship. But here it is. Here it is. The Lord God has placed the man in the leadership role. So if all of these affections and attributes of love is not in the home, it falls in the lap of the man. The man is to be the leader in these affections. Okay. And here's another thing. Suppose your wife, gentlemen, suppose you're trying your best to be the Christian gentleman that you need to be and want to be. You're trying to, to grow in that. But perhaps... What if she just throws it away? What if she doesn't receive it? What if she just rejects it? Then what do you do? You, you are godly. You keep on loving her. You keep on cherishing her as your beloved. Because that's what God has done with us, you see. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. While we were yet weak, while we were yet ungodly, while we were yet sinners... God displayed His love to us and Christ died for us. We just keep on being Christ-like. That's the challenge. It's a mutual relationship, but the man is the leader in this relationship. That's the way God has set it up. In the second place, it's a committed relationship because the command here in 1 Peter 3, verse 7 is, Husbands, live with your wives. That's a command from God. Husbands, live with your wives. We have no other choice. There is no other choice. Live with your wives. Dwell with your wives. There's a big thing in a wedding. And there's a lot of frills and thrills. A lot of good food. A lot of nice decorations. But the big thing in the wedding is the wedding vows. Is this couple going to, to make the commitment... For life, 
That's why we're all here. That's what God is concerned about. That's what is on the mind of God. It's the vows. It's the I do. Okay. In, when I was younger and playing some basketball, we would oftentimes, until the coach was ready for us to actually practice, we would play this little game, make it, take it. Make it, take it. That is, a guy with the ball and a bunch of fellows running around under the basket trying to keep him from making the basket, but if he keeps on making the basket, then he gets the ball back, and then when he misses, another fellow gets the ball, runs back towards center court and comes toward the goal, and if he keeps on making it, he gets to keep the ball, make it, take it. Well, that's what it is in a marriage relationship. You make the commitment, and then you take that commitment into your marriage relationship. You take it into your life, and you live it out. Make it, take it. Husbands, live with your wife. She is your wife now. She belongs to you, and you belong to her from this point onward. It's a committed relationship. Husbands, live with your wives. Live with your wife. That means you're at home with her. That means you're going places with her. That means you are side by side with her. That means you are creating special times with her. It means that you're going on dates with her. It means that you are going to church with her. It means you are serving side by side with her in the kingdom. It means you are making decisions together with her. Husbands, live with your your wives and be with her. Husbands, live with your wives and live with the perks and the quirks. Live with all of it. Live, warts and all, live with all of it. See, it's a command from God. There are a lot of perks to being a husband because we are beyond blessed with our wives. We outmarry ourselves. We know that. Us husbands, we know this, and it's true. There are some quirks. And guys... There are some things that she will develop that will be just a little bit quirky. Quirky. But remember this. Your blessing is that you're not having to look at you and put up with you most of the time. All the time. Okay. So whatever quirk she has, easily, easily handled because of what she's having to put up with you. Let's just think about what would be one of the worst quirks that could ever develop? You know, some guys, they will, after a few years, they'll say, this is not the woman I married. This is not the woman I married. Okay. Well, you do, how, how silly is that to say? She's not gonna, you're not the same guy you, you, you were when you married on your wedding day. People change. People are going to grow into different areas. Okay. Our foundation is Christ. What you're going to develop? What would be just a what would be a quirk? But what? Yeah. Larry and Kay are celebrating 50 years of marriage next Sunday. Okay, there's got to be a lot of quirks there. Got to. I mean, somebody has put up with something. Okay. Let's just suppose that your wife. Suppose, out of the blue, she develops a, a love for opera music. I can't think, 
That, wouldn't that be just terrible? I mean, yeah, but you'd have, you need to live with that and rejoice in that. And so my, my recommendation would be, uh, honey, that's great. Let me hear what you're listening to. Okay, you keep listening to that. I'm going to go outside. Okay. You want to go to one of those concerts? I'm sure there's a quirky friend out there that will go with you. But you live with that. You live with that. Husbands, live with your wives. It's a committed relationship. But also, it's an intellectual relationship. Because Peter says, Husbands, live with your wives according to knowledge. According to knowledge. Now, all biblical knowledge is important in any relationship, but I think that what Peter is doing here, he's sticking with the husband-wife relationship. And so a lot of our translations now have this translated uh, in an understanding way, and that's probably more appropriate. In other words, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Seek to understand her. Seek to understand her. Seek to understand her needs. And be considerate of her needs and her likes and her desires. And also be sensitive to her. Because, Brother Paul, it is still a fact that men and women are different, right? And men are to take the lead in recognizing this and then to take the lead in understanding, seeking to understand uh, his wife. It forms an unbreakable bond. You know, sometimes cruelty is not deliberate. Sometimes in the marital relationship, cruelty is just a matter of being thoughtless. Being thoughtless. Guys, we cannot leave our brains at the door uh, in marriage. We have to work at this. We have to think about what we're doing. And we have to think about the needs and consider the needs of our wives. If we're going, if someone was considering, some guy was considering marriage and he was looking at this as, you know, uh, I'm about to get another mama here. And she's she's going to be my mom. I mean, she's going to take care of my needs. Then he would never need to get married at all until he grows out of that. If, a, if there's a guy in a marriage right now and he's thinking of his wife as in that way, then he needs to seek to change. And, and before midnight tonight, he needs to change because it takes a lot of thought, a lot of thought about the needs of your wife. A biblical example I always think about is, is Matthew 1. Joseph and Mary. I don't know that Joseph and Mary, being so young as they were, probably around 19 or 20 years old, gets enough credit for God choosing them of all those in the world to be the parents of of little Jesus. And so there Joseph is. He's betrothed to Mary in a very tight-knit Jewish community. And she is with child. And so it says there in Matthew 1, 19 and 20, as he pondered upon these things. See, he's thinking. He doesn't leave his brain at the door. He's thinking. He's, he, and he doesn't want to make his wife a public example. He doesn't want to disgrace her. He's looking for a way to maybe put her away privately. And that's when the angel came along and said, Fear not to take unto you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her, in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
So you go at it, you know, going through with your marriage. There is Joseph doing what Peter would later say to do, and that is live with your wives according to knowledge in an understanding uh, fashion. It's an intellectual relationship. But also, it's an honorable relationship. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor unto the woman. You show her honor. You highly esteem her. You show her that she matters. You show her all the love and respect that you can possibly uh, gather together in your life, and you show it to her. You make her know that she is of tremendous value. You know, we read in Proverbs 31, 10, and 11 that you know, the worthy woman, uh, who can find her price is far above rubies, you make your wife know that she's a worthy woman. She is worthy simply because of, of her being a, a lady. Okay. That's all there is to it. She is, she is worthy of honor because she is walking around on this earth as a female. That's all you have to know. It's not because she's finished school. It's not because she has some goals in mind. In mind. not because she comes from a good family. It's because the Lord says she is a woman. And that's all you need to hear. That's all you need to know. You honor her. You honor her when you speak to her. You honor her. When you speak to her, you speak to her with kindness and courtesy. You speak to her true words, clean words, and words that can be understood. Guys, just because we think we've got a great brain doesn't mean our wife is going to read our minds. It's not her job to read our minds. We are to speak to her in an honorable way. That is, speak words that can be understood. Make it plain. Okay, in a kind and courteous way, what is on your mind so you don't leave her guessing when you leave the house? She's not second guessing about what you meant by this or that. You show her honor. Honor. You honor her when she speaks to you. I told you this was painful. You honor her when she speaks to you. Her words are to carry weight. So, think about it this way. How much effort does it take to take a paper plate from the counter and put it on the table? It takes hardly any effort. It takes hardly any thought. How much effort does it take to take a refrigerator off the back end of a truck and move it into your small kitchen? That's another proposition whatsoever. Entirely. Because if you're going to move that refrigerator, then you've got to study that thing. You've got to study it out. You've got to make a path. Make sure you've got a path to bring that thing in. You've got to take your time. You don't want to damage anything in the house or damage your refrigerator. You've got to take your time. You've got to be careful. Okay, apply that to, to the words of your wife. Okay. We don't treat her words like, like moving a paper plate from one object to another. Rather, it's more like this refrigerator. You are to study what she says. You are to make a pathway for her words. That means you've got to put your phone down. 
You've got to stop thinking about looking at your television, her care, her word. You've got to make a pathway for her words. You've got to take some time as those words are said and listen carefully. And guys, that's all you've got to do. Most of the time, our ladies are not necessarily looking for actions from us. They want, they want you to listen to what they have to say. They need to get that said. Once they got that said, then man, their, their day is going good the rest of that day. You show honor when she speaks to you. And you show honor to her when you speak of her in front of other people. You show honor to her when you speak of her. You should never, ever talk about the faults of your wife. You know there are faults. She's a human being. She sees your faults and weaknesses. You see hers, but you don't speak of those anywhere to anybody. I often would travel back when my father-in-law was alive. I would travel with him as he would raise money for his mission work. And people would inquire of him about his wife. He would always say just about the same thing. He said, I could not have found a woman anywhere in the world who better fit my needs and my work than the one I have now. He would say that in a repetitious way, just constantly, but people got the clear idea that he felt like he was absolutely providentially blessed that his wife is in his life. So it's an honorable uh, relationship. But more than that, it is a compassionate relationship because Peter does say, show honor to, honor to her as unto the weaker uh, vessel. As unto the weaker vessel. As Paul was confirming a moment ago, there are differences between a man and a woman. A woman is not weaker, of course, mentally or emotionally. He's certainly not weaker spiritually. But physically, oftentimes, they are weaker. I know there's exceptions to this. Okay. Many exceptions to this, maybe. But generally speaking, women are not as strong physically. I remember my mom often saying, just out of the blue, she, she would say, I wish I was a man. I wish I was a man. Because in her mind, she had all these projects that she wanted my dad to be working on, and he couldn't ever get to them, and maybe some of them he didn't want to get to. But she also understood that her, herself, physically, could not do these projects, but she, she saw a lot that needed to be done. But that was just her way of confirming that men and women are definitely uh, different. And for us guys... That means that if we're in the same area as our wives, then we do the heavy lifting, if at all possible. We do not allow her to be burdened, either emotionally or physically, if we are around. There will be plenty of times when we're not able to be there, and she will have to bear the load, many loads, many heavy loads on her own. But if we're in the area, if we're around, then we need to do the heavy lifting for her. There is a tremendous kind of reverse impact with the influence of, of godly ladies. Yes, they're weaker in some ways. Yes, they are not the leaders of the home. They're not leaders in the church. They're not really leaders 
in society, but if they are as Sarah of old, 1 Peter 3, if they are like the holy women of old, and they are minded to adorn themselves, reserve themselves for their husbands, and be at his side, and rearing their children in a godly manner, then their influence will be double and triple anyone else on this earth. It's just God's way of getting it done. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's talking about different members of the body of Christ. And he says, down around verse 23-25, he said, those members that we look at as, as unseemly, they end up being the most seemliness of us. Those that we, members of our body, that we deem at first glance to be less honorable, they end up being more honorable. In other words, oftentimes in the church, the most powerful things that are done are not done by those, things, by those people who are seen, or those people that people see the most, but rather oftentimes it's those who are working behind the scenes. Godly women have that impact upon the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, it is a compassionate relationship. Because any time that we can lift the heavy burdens for our wives, we ought to do so because they will have enough of that to do when we are not around. And then, it's a purposed relationship because Peter clearly says that you may be heirs together of the grace of life. Grace of life simply means the life lived here as Christians for Christ, and then ultimately the eternal life we have with God. Our main purpose in the marital relationship, guys, is to help each other get to heaven. We are to establish the environment that will help everybody in our home, whoever it is that happens to be in our home, that everybody in that home will be going to heaven. Husbands and wives, they set the standard uh, for that. That we may be heirs together of the grace of life. Go back to this weaker vessel business. Oftentimes we focus on the weaker part and not the vessel. The vessel. The truth is we are all vessels. Check out 2 Timothy chapter 2, 20 and 21 and see if Paul doesn't refer to all Christians as vessels because we are to be honorable vessels. We're honorable vessels when we put away, put away those things which are corruptible, those things which are dishonorable, okay, and we set our sights and we commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus, we become a vessel, Paul says it there, we become a vessel who's ready for the Master's use and we are ready for every good work. We are all vessels in the hand of our God and we are to make that commitment. Both husband and wife, first and foremost, we have made our commitment to the Lord Christ and we are saying, each in our own position, Lord, use us. Lord, take us. We are your vessel. Okay. You do with us what you would have us to do. And I'll tell you what, if a husband and wife has that sort of commitment in the home, then things will be glorious. Things will be spiritual. Things will be heavenly. Because it is a purpose. Uh, relationship. Husband and wife both need to be children of God and both need to look at themselves as vessels 
in the hand of God. That's as far as we'll go this morning. The Lord was quite serious about all of His instructions. But the Lord also wants to single out us men because He has set us as the leaders of the home, the church, and in society. When things go wrong, it's on our shoulders and not on the ladies. Likewise, ye husbands, ye husbands. So that six things from this verse seven, there is a seventh thing. We'll mention that maybe later. But right now, let's, let's think about our hearts right now. Let's think about our relationship with the Lord and how that impacts other, relationship, other relationships in our lives. And if we can help each other uh, this morning. It may be that someone just needs encouraged. Prayers are strength. It could be that having heard the Word of God, knowing, coming to know over the last days, weeks, that Jesus is the Son of God, you're ready to be forgiven of your sins, obey the Gospel and repentance and baptism. We'd love to assist you in that obedience as well. Can we help you in any way? Please, make that known right now as we stand together, as we sing.